This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 140, where we're talking about Jessica Jones, season 2, episode 3, aka Soul Survivor. What's up, fellow Defenders? It is I, Chris. I'm back in control, and this is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 140. Where we're talking about, and quite enthusiastically, Jessica Jones, Season 2, Episode 3, a.k.a. Soul Survivor. And, actually, not the Soul, S-O-U-L, Survivor. We're talking about S-O-L-E, Survivor. I've had some bad spelling mistakes this week. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. <laughs> yes, and I'm one of your other hosts, Jeff Probst. <laughs> oh, not that Survivor. Okay, no. sorry. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Okay, um, yes, I'm one of your other hosts, John. There we go. <laughs> Yes, fellow Defenders, you're listening to the Defenders TV podcast, the only place you need to go for all your Defenders needs on Marvel, Netflix shows, and of course the MCU, just because, hey, it's there. <laughs> we are right now reviewing Jessica Jones Season 2, and this episode we're going to go all the way through and give you our top five points for Jessica Jones Season 2, Episode 3, aka Soul Survivor. But, actually... You're probably thinking, I can skip five minutes because I know the usual rigmarole. Well, do not, because we're going to forgo our usual rigmarole. You know where you can find us, but if you don't, go to DefendersTVPodcast.com for all the information of where we are, how you can contact us, and how you can give us your feedback. But do you know what? We've got a very special gift for you guys right now. John, do you want to tell them about it? Yes, we have connected in with Stitcher Premium and they are offering a month's free on Stitcher Premium for our fellow defenders for the Marvel Wolverine The Long Night, which is a 10 episode scripted podcast that will be exclusively available on Stitcher Premium. It is featuring the awesome Richard Armitage from Hannibal. He was Francis Dollarhide. So mm -hmm. if, like with Wolverine, you like your your main protagonists to be brutal and uncompromising, then he is certainly the man for you. The pint-sized Berserker will be, will be released uh, as one episode a week from this Monday, the 12th of March. So just go on over to stitcher.com forward slash premium and enter the code and you've guessed it, Defenders, to get your free month. Uh, this offer is open until the end of September this year, in case you're listening a bit later. So please head on over. It is something that you'll hopefully love, and you'll certainly be helping to support the podcast by going over and listening in to Wolverine The Long Night. Absolutely. And um, this year is 2018, in case you're listening in 2025 or anything <laughs> like that. So uh, if you go past September 2018, our code DEFENDERS will not work for you as uh, as your free month. But hopefully you'll pop on over there, sign up and get, uh, get a couple of episodes of Wolverine the Long Night to listen to. If you fancy listening to the rest of it, they are released once a week and you can just stay subscribed to Stitcher Premium. Absolutely. Like normally we run a competition, but I think it's really good that this time we're able to hopefully offer... Everyone who's listening in, uh, a chance to to check out this new Marvel scripted podcast featuring Richard Armitage and all about our lovely adamantium-infused pet dog. You like podcasts because, well, you're here. And we know you like Marvel because, well, you're here. So what else can we do but say, go over. Go to stitcher.com forward slash premium and enter the code DEFENDERS to get your free month's trial. Anyway, you boys... I think, actually, let's shake it up even a bit more mm -hmm. and jump into our feedback because we recorded episode one and two ahead of time. Yep. Uh, the show is now released, well, 13 episodes over on Netflix mm -hmm. globally. So we have a bit of feedback from episodes one and episodes two. Absolutely. I love when Jessica Jones is out in the wild and suddenly our Facebook group starts blowing up, our email starts <laughs> to get emails in, our Twitter starts to get tweets in. It's great fun. Uh, compiling it all together is always fun as well. Um, first up, we've got a voicemail that's come in from Frederick, uh, who sent it just after the first episode. Hadn't even heard our podcast before he sent it, but unfortunately we'd already recorded in advance, so I couldn't get it in time uh, for the episode itself. Take it away, Frederick. Hey, Defenders. Frederick here. I just saw the first episode of Jessica Jones Season 2, and... Um, it was great. I haven't heard your podcast yet, so uh, maybe this is irrelevant. Maybe you have already talked about these things in the podcast, but uh, here goes. 
Um, the dust that comes out of the box that um, that is her little brother's ashes. Um, I think it's pretty cool that it covers her so that she's covered in her past and it also spreads out on the floor so that she is kind of caught in her office. She can't get out of the front door uh, through that uh, past. She has to face her past to um, to get out. I think that was a kind of a cool metaphor. Um, and then I have a little guess. I think that uh, maybe her brother is this monster um, and the ashes would, of course, then not be his body, but um, who can tell, right? Well, thanks for the podcast and um, looking forward to hearing it. Thank you so much for that feedback, Frederick. That's really, really interesting. I love yeah. the idea of the metaphor of her not being able to get, get out the front door of her office unless she confronts her past. That seems to be so far, three episodes in, that seems to be pretty much what Jessica has to do uh, in the show. So it's a really good catch there. As for the theory of her brother, that's fascinating. Yes, I think that is pretty fascinating as well. Um, and certainly after watching this episode as well, episode three, uh, I have another little theory as well that kind of links in with that. And maybe it's the same about the old uh, meat face, I believe that uh, it's referred to by Jessica, the meat face in the IGH facility. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you there, Frederick, on... Um, on that theory, I think it sounds pretty cool and would be awesome, I think. Yeah, uh, if only this was a video podcast because you could see my eyes as you mentioned those words. I was like, ooh, did not think about that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's see uh, Let's see how it turns out. Absolutely. I'm interested to see if you're right. And if you were, well done. You, you've beaten us on our, our guesses working out. And as I say, it's really impressive because this feedback came in the morning of release. So this was definitely he watched his first episode and recorded his feedback. Uh, so thank you so much for that, Fred. We love everybody having their ability to give guesses as to what's going on in this in this show. John, we have an iTunes review in as well. Do you want to take that one? We do have an iTunes review in from Ryan. Um, we spoke about Ryan previously because he had um, provided us with a lovely review and he's back, and this time with five stars instead of four. He was absolutely generous with this. Uh, he goes, hey guys, I'm back with a five-star review this time. So glad to have Jessica back on our TV screens. I'm loving the storyline so far. Episode one was amazing. Really grabbed me back into the Jessica Jones series. And this season is really feeling like a detective show so far. I'm liking the fact that Jessica is talking to us and letting us know what she's thinking and needing to do to get the job done. Looking forward to the rest of the series and your guys' review on it. Keep up the good work, Ryan. Thank you so much, Ryan. Yeah, it, it's a real nice uh, change, I think, for this episode where we're really getting a sense of how Jessica is feeling through her, her chit-chat with Trish and, and with Malcolm. And I think that's really kind of letting us see into that deep, dark, little tucked-away heart of hers, I think. Absolutely, and thanks so much for coming back and giving us another five-star review. I feel like I might have browbeaten you into doing that and changing it. I didn't intend on it. My apologies, Ryan, but thanks so much for listening. It's really good to have you back on. Don't worry, Ryan. He is keeping me and uh, Chris tight on the leash as well with regards to our episode watching <laughs> yes thank you very much ryan gentlemen let's move over to facebook because we have a bit of uh, feedback for episode one um our fellow defender ronaldo also part of the collective with into the night the podcast as a host he came in to say what a solid way to return to jessica jones seemed fresh and exciting but at the same time it seemed like slipping on an old glove I really like Patsy's expanded role and maybe wasn't paying too much attention, but I'm eager to see what the deal with Hogarth is. I like the little reference to Rand and Man Oh Man, the wizard. Never knew I'd see him on screen. What a treat. Intriguing as to how he and Jessica are connected. Diving into the second episode now. Absolutely love it and glad to have JJ back. Five stars. Thank you very much, Ronaldo. Really appreciate this feedback. And yes, it was a very solid way to return. Love to hear your feedback now for episode three as we've gone through. I found episode two a bit slow, but now we're into episode three. I'm not going to give away spoilers, but wait and see. You'll hear my views there. But love to see your feedback there and what you thought of episode three. Yep, thanks, Ray. Uh, Jamie Young also came over to our Facebook group and says, This first episode feels like a natural progression for the series after season one. 
I like the tension between Jessica and Trish, and I really feel Jessica's frustration and helplessness at desperately wanting to help people and make a positive difference in the world, but not having the powers and means to do so, plus still living under the shadow of her childhood fame. She definitely should get a BFF of the Year award for singing at that birthday party. I also like the idea of Malcolm being kind of a surrogate brother to Jessica. I love how relentless he is in assisting her, even though he doesn't appreci- she doesn't appreciate him at all. I keep firing you, but you keep not being fired. What's up with that? <laughs> Lastly, I got to get to episode two. Some critics have said this, the first several episodes are slow, boring, and lack a sense of menace that Kilgrave provided, but I didn't feel that at all. Jessica was wrestling with many inner demons long before Kilgrave entered the picture. I think her poorly suppressed pain from losing her family and not understanding why she survived is quite dark and compelling. I can't wait to see what she finds out. You know, I totally agree with you, Jamie. Um, this show has to do something different than Kilgrave and I think it's hit on a really good idea of Jessica going back and exploring her past we said throughout season one you had a first series for Jessica Jones a character that a lot not many people outside of comic book readers knew when that series came out and they never actually told you how she got her powers and they never give you clarification as to what her powers were so it's a great way to lean on it for the second season Uh, thanks so much for that feedback Jamie yeah, uh, thank you, Jamie. Bob Phillips comes in with good tense opening with enough threads starting unexpectedly closing and the mix of comedy, gore and intrigue that we've come to expect. My big questions, what's the deal with the posh PI? Why are they giving all the powerful dictatorial women cancer? My guess as to the thing, Alexandra and Hogarth. Is the new building super a goodie or a baddie? And what was that whiskey she drank a bottle of? Looked more expensive than her tipple last series. Yes, it was Tinkup whiskey. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, yeah, it is much more expensive. So I don't know. Jessica, is she keeping up appearances? Did she win the prize bonds? Uh, But certainly uh, she's acquiring some expensive tastes with her whiskey. Yeah, Tinkup whiskey. Mm -hmm. A smooth bourbon from the Rocky Mountains. Absolutely. Or as Chris said, could it be that you're just spending every penny that she gets on bottles of whiskey? That's possibly it. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff Childs went on to say, I like the new mystery. They give Jessica cases where she can't just muscle her way out, but she tries anyway. Price Chang is a douche. I wonder what his part in this will be. Jeff, I 100% agree, both on being a douche and what his part is. We're still wondering, even up to episode three. Mm -hmm. And finally, on episode one, Claire Payne says, Really good opener for season two. JJ is someone I have really grown to like over season one and the Defenders. As soon as the episode started, I was already absorbed in Jessica Jones' story and the way she's dealing with being a vigilante superhero. I have always enjoyed JJ's friendship with Trish and looking forward to see where this season takes them. The wizard was brilliant. Absolutely. Wizard. (laughs) Indeed. Absolutely love the wizard. Uh, Yeah, on to episode two of Jessica Jones. Uh, Again, still with Facebook, Ronaldo goes, what an episode. Still just slowly starting to form a clearer picture as to who the main villain is, as there are plenty of characters like Cheng and the mysterious assassin in the works. Hogarth's plunge into self-destruction was very well done too, and Patsy's confrontation with her former director to tease information out was a handy subplot. Rebecca de Mornay was outstanding, I thought, as the mother of Patsy, and I liked how they fleshed out Malcolm's character. We think there's more to Griffin than a pretty face too. Hmm, we shall see. Yes, there's a few pretty faces in Jessica Jones Season 2. What with uh, Griffin, uh, with Trish, but also... Malcolm has certainly got his door open this season, and uh, dare I say it, it's slightly revolving. (laughs) Jamie Young jumped over to our Facebook group and gave us feedback saying, Damn, Simpson! That escalated quickly. I was thinking he and Jessica would become allies, but it doesn't look like that will be happening. Uh, No. (laughs) Uh, With a broken neck? Who who knows? It is comic books. He may come back to life. Who knows? (laughs) <laughs> absolutely jeff child says scroty sense was disgusting and hilarious <laughs> absolutely scroty sense absolutely so good i'd love to say that is my form of spidey sense but i that's disgusting claire laffer goes griffin must be evil he's british absolutely claire all British are evil, <laughs> says <laughs> says our British host. And Claire is also a British host as she well. She is. You're all allowed to say that. We're not allowed to say that, Chris, are we? 
I don't know. I, I, can we get a minority report on that? Is it a racist thing to say? I think if we say it, we get arrested. Jean's totally upset, and Claire's totally upset. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll just go back to my scrody Yeah, sentences. absolutely. No one from Britain has ever been evil. <laughs> ever. Ever. <laughs> Indeed. Debbie Fisher also came over and says, it seemed to be a proper creepy episode. Hello, Simpson. Rest in peace, Simpson. <laughs> Rebecca DeMore, wow. Haven't seen her in forever, and she is great. Something does seem up with Griffin. Seems too perfect. Yep, yep, yep. He's British. He must be evil. As Claire said. You're not allowed to say that. <laughs> I just said, as Claire said. Okay. It's fine. That's how... It's It's basically, I'm paraphrasing. I like it. It's like if I said, I think John is crazy. Because <laughs> Derek told me. Right. Okay. See, I'm paraphrasing something you've told me in the past. I've not told you that. I hope he's not <laughs> said that. And finally, Donald Dennis says, Good first couple of episodes. This is one of the first times I was multitasking while watching a Netflix Marvel show. Apparently, I missed out on more details than I thought. I guess Donald's been listening to our hour-long podcasts about uh, about the 50-minute episodes of Jessica Jones. So uh, thanks for listening, Donald. Absolutely. Thank you, Donald. And thank you, everyone else, for all your feedback. It's really good to have... Uh, all these comments and discussions, it's really, really great. Uh, and especially when we get sort of excellent tidbits such as Grotty Sense. But with that, on with the episode details and on with our spoiler-filled review of episode three, a.k.a. Soul Survivor. Yep, this episode was written by Lisa Randolph. Uh, she's not actually done any of the Marvel shows before, but she did do two episodes of the excellent Star Trek Discovery this season. If you haven't watched Star Trek Discovery, go over and watch it. She actually wrote two of the best episodes of the season. Um, she also did seven episodes of the US remake of Being Human as well. So Excellent. Um, so she's done some supernatural stuff before as well. Uh, the episode was directed by Marzi Alamos. Um, she's a first-time director on the Marvel shows as well, but has done a lot of DC TV. She's worked on Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, Lucifer, iZombie, and all the way back to Smallville. So she's been in the industry a long time working on superheroes. Welcome to Marvel. Yes, welcome to the good side of comic books. <gasps> but before Derek jumps in and gives out to me on that one, John, do you want to take us away with your synopsis? Sure. Jessica throws the body of the murdered Will Simpson out to sea for a naval burial, where Jessica and her family used to head for vacation. With her past guessing people killed and her visions intensifying, Jessica must face her past head on. With the help of Trish, they begin investigating the mystery killer of former IGH patients. Jessica returns to the IGH clinic, where she comes across a new lead about a Dr. Leslie Hansen, who used to work at the facility. If things were bad enough, as she sets out to track Dr. Hansen for answers, her new superintendent issues an eviction notice, and Jerry asks for Jessica's help to dig dirt on her partners, after Jerry is issued an ultimatum by Chowdenowitz, as her medical diagnosis becomes known. Later in the day, at Dr. Hansen's apartment, Trish and Jessica find an unidentified body in the basement. As the local hospital morgue attendant is bribed to help identify the body, Trish tries to lure Dr. Hansen from hiding by publicly naming her on Trish Talk. The ploy seems to work and Trish agrees to meet her until Jessica puts a paparazzi stop to it, faking the breakup of Trish and Griffin. Jessica heads to the meetup point in a bar where she grabs a quick sneaky pint, should I say whiskey, before confronting Dr. Hansen about the heinous crimes of IGH. As Trish is in lockdown with Malcolm sitting on her, she learns that the unidentified body is in fact Dr. Hansen. As Trish and Malcolm race to warn Jessica, she discovers for herself just how dangerous this mystery woman can be. I love the fact that Malcolm was sitting, potentially should have sat on Trish. <laughs> Go over there and sit on her. Yes. And I have to say that opening were you know, you, you have the, the opening vista of that of the sea and that thing just comes flying across. I thought it was Jessica skimming stones or something like that on the beach. Mm -hmm. I didn't realise that she had just thrown Will Simpson's body uh, out to sea. It's not a great way to treat an old friend. <laughs> it or was hilarious. <laughs> it was so funny. I think it's time to jump into our top five case notes. Uh, and I'm going to jump in here on case note number one. Mm -hmm. And I think, I, I'm not sure which of you beautifully tackled this, but it's called Trish Goes Nuclear. Always me. It Chris. wasn't me. 
I'm not that good a writer. <laughs> well, neither is Derek, but, it, but it's still quite good on this to try. Mm-hmm. So Trish goes nuclear. I'm really, really liking this. So I really wanted to discuss one bitch which had me chomping at this as soon as Trish took the bag of guns and the inhaler in the car. Oh my God, are we witnessing the origin of Hellcat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? I just really liked this idea that she's kind of, as, as was said in our feedback earlier on, Trish wants to be protective and she's lived her entire life with Jessica Jones, a super-powered person, right at her side, helping her out whenever she needed someone to help help out. This is Trish's opportunity, it seems. She's looking at this huge bag of guns and the inhaler that Simpson used while he was protecting her. It seems like Trish is going, hmm, maybe I can use that and I can protect people. Uh, it's just it's just a, a little moment, but I think it works really well for the character. Yeah, I, I just... I, this was why I was so happy, because we know Trish knows Krav Maga from the first yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Um we know that she has been, as Derek, you pointed out, she wants to protect people. She's becoming this very much, I want to do more than just be a radio show icon, ex-celebrity child star, that type of thing. She wants to be more respected. Yeah. She sees what Jessica is and what she could be, and Jessica doesn't want that, so Trish is like, well, fine. I could do it. Exactly. I yeah. could be the hero. Now, sorry, just for our listeners, our fellow vendors who don't know who Hellcat is, just very quick aside. So within the comic books, Trish Walker, Patsy Walker, is a, a superheroine, a superhero called Hellcat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can take, I'll take more into that, into who, who that is later on. Um, but as of right now, she is, she wears a red wig, she has a big blue face mask, and a yellow and blue kind of superhero costume. Mm-hmm. She's gone through ups and downs, different teams. She's never been like a very big, big, big character. She's never been an Avenger front line. Right. She's probably been an Avenger, but she's never been a front line. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of this turning, again, similar to the wizard, taking a character that, well, in Patsy's case and Hellcat's case, we've been speculating. Like, oh my God, will they actually introduce her? This is a two season origin Oh, actually Hellcat, potentially. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's really good. I, I love the fact that she's really wanting to stand side by side uh, with Jessica here. Mm-hmm. Um, as you say, it, it, we, we get that moment from the teaser where she says, Jessica doesn't want a sidekick, but we need to go and help her. It was that moment in, in the teaser trailer where we're like, Hellcat's here, and we really see this. Uh, I love the fact, as you said, Chris, that, you, you know, it is a consistent it, it continues her journey of you know she wanted to protect herself and um, she was doing self-defense classes and all that kind of stuff and now she's wanting to go on the offensive she's wanting to have the guns i like the fact that there's that moment when she's got the guns where they're far too heavy for her and jessica passes them over nice little touch there i think yeah. but you also get that moment where she looks at simpson's inhaler as well which i thought was really cool so I'm just wondering, is there going to be a situation where she sees that she needs to use it in any way? That will be quite interesting to see, I think. Um, But certainly, I'm really enjoying Trish banging the shields and really wanting to head out into the action. I think as well, here, you see her all the time being undermined by, by Jessica. You know, Jessica does pull that moment where she texts to the local uh, celebrity mag you know, Griffin and her have just broken up in order to keep her pinned down because for Jessica, she still doesn't necessarily believe in Trisha's ability to handle the situation. Yeah. Uh, she's not the PI. She's not the one that's been out on the streets. She's the media star of the two. And I really like that there is still that element of protectiveness from Jessica for her stepsister, you know, mm-hmm. for her, her sister in arms uh, and certainly... Uh, this looks really, really interesting, and Trish is going for it, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just a great thing about reading our feedback for episode one and two before we actually talked about this, everybody seems to be on the same page as us about Griffin, that he can't possibly be a good guy. There is that conversation between Jessica and Trish about him, saying that she's investigated him, because she does that with her boyfriends, because She's not very smart when it comes to men, basically, as, as Jessica says. But this time she's made the right decision. Uh, it seems yeah. like there's nothing in his past that would 
mean he's a bad guy from Jessica's point of view. He has done things. He has lived, as Jessica says, but everybody has. But he is there fiddling with her laptop as well after he's come in. So it's kind of like, what is happening there? He seems to, is it just simply that he's trying to steal her story? Mm. Or is there some kind of darker purpose uh, there? But I quite like the idea that there's that trouble between Trish and Griffin. You know, uh, I love the, the sly comment from Jessica as she walks out going, aren't relationships great? When the fact that Trish hasn't been telling Griffin where he is, he's absolutely uh, worrying himself sick over it. So I really, um, really like that. But we do see, even despite this little kind of wobble, you know, um, she does call out that she loves him in this. So it's really uh, interesting. And I hope it works. I hope he is not the nasty um, British actor who turns out to be... The, the captain of the Death Star or something like that. <laughs> I, I honestly think they're get, they're doing this on purpose now. Right. I really do think that they're making Griffin out to look like the bad guy and it's all going to be that like he's built he's stealing the case notes and her files so that he can help someone else pull all the information and he's just gonna hand it to her on a platter after she's already found out that he's done all this bad stuff. Right. And he was like, I was doing it for you. I wanted to give this to you for your, like, a present as a thing. But she'll have already found it and like, oh my God, you don't trust me with anything. I'm not a child, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) It's a misdirect. It's going to be like, yeah, he's the bad guy, your typical British villain from like James Bond and, oh, I have a British accent. I must be evil. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wear suits. I must be evil. This is going to be the whole, eh, it was a misdirect. He was actually a lovable guy all along. He wears a suit and his British accent. You think he's evil. He's not. He's just a fellow defender like us. <laughs> Go on, Chris. Do that English accent one more time. Mary Poppins, governor. Yeah, it's funny as well because I really like, um, even though I was saying that Jessica's looking after Trish, I love the fact that Trish tries to, in her own way, uh, tries to look after Jessica by sending her to the shrink, the the, the pseudo uh, mind control shrink, which is, is very Kilgravian of her, uh, in a sense. The fact that she's trying to get some hypnosis uh, to pull out those inner demons that even Jessica has identified as, you know, she needs to face these head on because they're starting to get people killed, like the wizard, like Simpson. Uh, so I really like that. And I have to say, I love the fact that during that session, there was no safe place that Jessica could think of except for the bar between 9th and 4th Street Uh. because they give pretty good measures and there's free hot dogs. I thought that was quality. You know, that, that real sly sense of wit in this show is something that... I absolutely love. Oh, I lo- um, it's so good. Absolutely. I love that it, That when Dr. Tybalt says to Jessica, um, think about a place, like maybe a vacation spot on a beach or something, and Trish is in the background going, no, 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 not that. Uh, but this is Dr. Tybalt that's brought in. So we mentioned this back in episode one, that he was supposed to be appearing on Trish's radio show. And in the comic books, that's the character, the ringmaster. I think I can pretty much clarify this is not going to be the villain of the series. Doesn't look like the right the right villain of the series but that is definitely dr tybalt that was mentioned before in the in the show so yeah this is the typical netflix marvel thing this is our melvin potter the gladiator the from daredevil this is hey you're in here you're gonna help advance a plot but you're not gonna get the stilt legs or the superhero powers right this is just hey it's a nice nod to people like us who go, oh my god, that's a, I know that name, kind of thing. And isn't uh, it cool that in Daredevil, that character was a person that built Daredevil's suit? In Jessica Jones, that character is like a psychiatrist that might be able to cure Jessica of some of her problems. So, a uh, very different take on a, on a minor uh, comic book character yeah, in absolutely. Netflix. Yeah, But I think, moving on to our second case note, the medical disclosure yeah, Jerry Hogarth. Uh, not only do we find out that Chow absolutely does not like Jerry Hogarth, um, we see that she has got ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Um, so this is, you know, it, it. She's she's got a 
degenerative neurological disease. And, do you know, I absolutely think this was, like, amazing for Jerry Hogarth. You know, this is a woman um, who is massively intelligent, massively professionally successful. Um, and I love the fact and the moment when Jerry, you know, we see her pushing away Foggy Nelson in fantastic little cameo uh, from him. But we see her go kind of cap in hand almost to Jessica. And I have to say, there's one of the best moments of, of this episode for me where, where Jerry really is, you know, just saying, I'm alone, I'm estranged, all I have are my clients, uh, my firm and the the name above the door you know i only have that and if i lose that in any way what do i have as some kind of legacy in a sense yeah. i thought the way that was delivered you know to jessica and they've not had the closest of relationships even the start of it is massively frosty um jessica is like going no don't sit down you've got my time you've got five minutes I thought this was really so well done. I think Carrie Ann Moss just delivered that idea of losing control so, so well. Absolutely. And Chris, we talked about this back in episode one when we found out that she was sick and you were kind of thinking it might be something else. And I was thinking about, about another character having, um, having cancer effectively is what I thought it was at the time. What do you think of the, the decision for the ALS as, as being the illness? I can't say that I love ALS. I love the choice of no. them going down yeah, this exactly. route. As John said, this is a strong female character who is defined by her intellect, defined by her mm-hmm. her poise, her ability to command a room. And stripping that away from this character. But even though it's not an immediate it doesn't take immediate effect. And I think that yeah. is the thing. She's we hear what she says that this is going to slowly disintegrate her life and she cares about her legacy not about now because she said I have buckets of cash and then the joke the dry wits you talked about earlier saying where she was like I plan on spending it all she's going to blow through her money but still wants to maintain that her name Hogarth is on that door at the end of this Yeah, as John said that scene with her and Jessica Right now, that is potentially my favorite scene in this whole damn show. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. It's just so powerful, so raw, realistic. Because you can imagine, I I wouldn't wish this on my enemies. Like, and that's quite true. I I, I know someone who went through ALS, and it, it's yeah. a it is a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. But this is just so raw and emotional. You could see someone. Two people who are not really friends, but kind of friends, having this. And this could be like two minutes from you right now when you're listening to our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And the line Jerry says, which is, if I believed in God, I'd say her sense of humor is for shit. Two things with that. (laughs) One. Yeah. She says, I'd say her sense of humor is for shit. Uh-huh. Uh, I love the fact that Jerry's like, no, God's a woman. Just take it. And it's just, there's no, there, it's just out there. It's like, yeah, no, it's done. We're talking about this. And it's just the embodiment of that, that line yeah. that kind of stinks exactly what Jerry Hogarth is. She is a practical yeah. woman, but she's still not going to take this lying down. And she's going to have even her own dry sense of humor. This is the Jerry who's just found out things are terrible, went deep into a hole of hookers and blow and (laughs) wine and everything and has gone, no, screw this, I'm going the other way. I'm very, very happy with this. About the storyline, again, not the character, wouldn't wish it's on the enemies. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I think as well, you know, it comes from the, the second episode where we see her doing the drugs, again, that contract. And then she lays herself bare to to Jessica. And Jessica can only but just listen and say, I will do this, Uh, you know, in a sense. I thought this was done so well. As you say, Chris, I think this is um, probably my favorite bit of of the show so far, just because of who it is. You know, Jerry's not someone you can 
warm to necessarily, but it is that idea that everyone can have these moments where they just feel like they want to collapse uh, and fold in, you know? Yeah. But she's still fighting. Absolutely. And it is interesting that she goes to Jessica for help when another lawyer has walked into her office, as you kind of mentioned earlier on, John. Another lawyer has walked into her office saying, this entire contract that you signed is bullshit. I can fix this. Yeah, it's our favorite avocado in law. Uh, I'm so happy to see Foggy Nelson back. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if it is for this fleeting moment. Yeah, a great way to make sure he doesn't come back, though, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it was basically get the hell out. It's like, oh, okay, it's a nice cameo. It's a bit part done. Now, we may see him for another two seconds in later on. But I I like the way they're threading the interconnectedness of this universe. Very much showing. Mm -hmm. But... Again, by the end of this, he needs to be fired, or at least on a rocky relationship, because we want him back with our avocados and laws to together. Yeah, absolutely. For Daredevil season three. Maybe I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure if we're actually going to have that law firm ever again. Uh, Murdoch and Nelson, you know that that is sad, but it was there for a season and a half, and he's now got a very big job, able to do the stuff he can do under Hogarth's firm. So. I'm wondering if it's just an expansion of his character. It might happen. He might go back um, and have that private practice again. But the way he's been used since Daredevil Season 2 in these shows like Luke Cage and in in Defenders and Jessica Jones now is working really well for me. I'm kind of liking it. I like the idea that that he's going to be independent from Matt Murdock for a while. Um, When they do eventually meet back up, I kind of like the idea that he has something else going on and it's not dependent on Matt. So they could absolutely still be friends and still have all their their exciting uh, adventures going on with him still working under Hogarth and ha- making a lot of money and getting his haircut much better than he used to when he was in there. <laughs> yeah, no, I loved this Foggy cameo. I thought it was just really nicely slotted in. And it, it kind of also just really made that idea of Jerry being, again, a bit of a bitch. Um, you know, do you think that we've just shared um, the, the stand together in the courtroom that that we're friends it's like maybe put your head in the sand and not up my ass i love that phrase and that is so so good you know and she challenges him you know what right do you have to involve yourself in my affairs Mm -hmm. um and then and then she goes to jessica because she does see jessica as a friend rightly or wrongly well you know at least in some jerry hogarth special way she does um but not necessarily foggy um and that's what made this foggy cameo uh so good i just think it worked yeah i think it worked i really don't understand why jerry is looking to jessica other than she is the most straight talking person in the world she definitely won't reveal your secrets to somebody else that's not the kind of person she is so uh, there's no office gossip with jessica jones you know so uh, so potentially that's the reason but um, I thought they were on really bad terms at the beginning of this season. I know she wanted her to work for her. That's why she got uh, Price uh, Chang involved. But I didn't really see her going to Jessica. But she's desperate times, I suppose. Well, I think it's more that Jessica is known to get results. Yeah. She's able to wear, ferret out the dirt where no one else is. And as you, mm-hmm. as you said, Jessica said in this episode, there's always dirt somewhere. Yeah. So I think that's why she's gone. And all your points about uh, Foggy are 100% true, but unfortunately they're all predicated on Hogarth's name and Hogarth being there at the end of Season 2 of Jessica Jones. And we do not know if that is going to be the case. No, that's true. So, yeah, Hogarth yeah. leaves. Maybe we end up having Hogarth, Nelson and Murdoch in Season 3 of Daredevil. There is a lot Maybe. of options, but it's all predicated on... There even could be no Hogarth. Yeah, or maybe it could be Chow Benowitz and Nelson. Attorneys at law. He's a bit too junior in this. I think he was brought on a pretty high level, but you never know. They might need a replacement uh, on the board. Derek, do you want to take us on to our third case note for this episode? Absolutely, yes. Jessica's nightmare. Um, I just thought this was really interesting to see. It's effectively where she's sitting there drinking her tin cup whiskey, falls asleep and wakes up. I love the opening shot because it's what we've been saying for two seasons. The opening shot of her nightmare is basically that she's got a bottle of whiskey taped into her arm and she's effectively feeding off that. Um, but 
I don't know, it's just a little theory, because I don't do theories very often, but a little theory. Uh, as she leaves the room in this dream, in this nightmare, uh, one end of the hallway has a window outside, and it's backed by purple. The other end of the hallway, where the door is, that's also backed by purple. And then in between that, we have the monster, or the burned face person, um, in between those two doors in this nightmare. Is this Kilgrave? Is this the representation of purple in the series has been has meant Kilgrave in the past yeah, yeah is the fact that she sees a burnt face person is that burnt face just blocking out Kilgrave from her mind or is it a different character I'm just wondering just speculating there uh, it's it's that moment isn't it where she has the dream but she sees meat face when she goes back to IGH for the first time isn't it so yeah I love the purple encroaching like it's like it's behind the door so yeah is Kilgrave part of the IGH experimentation as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, really good. Um, and yeah, talking of Meatface, I had uh, exactly the same thought. It's like, is is Meatface friend or foe? Because it's like, is Meatface trying to keep her back from the purple, or is it that that you know they're fighting, that they're wrestling? So I, all of a sudden, I was kind of like, okay. Who is Meatface? Is it Kilgrave? Is it another IGH patient? Or is it someone almost protecting her? Really intrigued now as to Meatface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I'm so happy that we when we saw Purple, I was a bit like, oh no, here he comes. <laughs> I would have loved if they had kept David Tennant, who played Kilgrave in season one, his usage a secret in season two. I would, I, unfortunately, yeah. we knew through uh, photos from set and released official photos from Netflix that he is part of season two. I've said this a few times in our podcast. We've done 130-odd episodes um, at this stage. I've said it a few times. I absolutely hate set photos. People getting their cameras out their windows and taking photographs of our actors on set, wherever they are, whether they're in the streets or whether they're whether they're in a studio, because this kind of stuff happens where Netflix have to release something about a character saying he's in the show. And then that builds an expectation for the show as well, which it may yeah. not deliver on. You know, they, they had to now release that a character that had died in season one is coming back for however many episodes they come back. I stopped reading anything about it. He may come back for five minutes in episode seven. But because that photograph was released of the two of them on, on um, set together, we know Kilgrave is going to be in the series at some point. So... Mm-hmm. Here's my speculation. Kilgrave is not alive. Kilgrave is dead. The purple in the nightmare and the actor we see as Kilgrave later on is her mind dealing with being a killer. She is a killer because of Kilgrave. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As she said, she said it. I'm mur- uh, Yeah. I killed someone. There. Ergo, I am a killer. So therefore, I think what we're seeing here is she's going to have some form of another dream or uh, a walking nightmare, or some something. And what we'll have is Kilgrave talking to her, going, kill her. Just kill it. Yeah. Kill it. Kill. That will be her killer persona. We will then get some other persona of this burned person, who I right now think is a friend from when she was in the IGH facility, and will turn out to be the runaway, that character piece. It's like, run now get out of here where and you will have that the devil and the angel on well <laughs> the purple man and the, the the meat face on the shoulders interesting and that's where i see this going i loved the use of purple but if i hadn't have known kilgrave was or david tennant i was in this season even for like two seconds i would be breaking my shit when i saw this scene because i'd be like oh my god where he's back ah! yeah absolutely have you thought as well, I just wondered, is it the ripples of Kilgrave still in her mind? Mm. You know, there's that idea, of, certainly from season one, that he controls you. It's about the distance he is from you, but the length of time that he's had you under his power. And that, you know, Jessica was in his presence for an awful long time, being manipulated. There's these ripples of Kilgrave here. So as you say, Chris, his past intrusion and forcing himself on Jessica is still there with her, that trauma. And that's how she's either project projecting it, as you say, or that it is um, his presence still affecting. I mean, for example, 
is the guy still up against the railings paying uh, his pants forever. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I'm I sure hope that's not been too. Sorted. So the other person that obviously Meatface could be is our point case note number four, Dr. Leslie Hansen. I love this one. This was the pickup moment for me. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. On this episode, speeding up the storyline, speeding up. This was like, okay, now we're into case number two. Now we're into second season. Things are chugging ahead and picking up speed. And I really enjoyed this. Yeah. This is like, we got the, the apartment scene. We got the meeting. We got everything I wanted Plus more and a hell of a lot more questions, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed Leslie Hansen being introduced in this way. Yeah, absolutely. I like the little uh, joke in there about the rent control department. That's how Jessica tracks her down. Rent control departments are something that we don't really have in most other countries. But in New York, they facilitated the characters from Friends being able to live in ridiculously large apartments, <laughs> uh, even though most of them didn't have jobs for two or three seasons of that show. It was always like, oh, yeah, it's rent control. Sure, it never, the price never goes up effectively and nobody ever gives up those apartments. That's how Jessica is able to find Dr. Hansen, because even though she may have killed loads of people, there's no way she'd give up a rent control department, right? <laughs> <laughs> nice little gag in there as well. But that's where they find the burnt out head. And through the through the episode, we have the, the bribery of um, of the, the worker in the morgue uh, who discovers that that head is the actual Dr. Hansen. So this person that we're calling Dr. Leslie Hansen throughout this particular point is not Dr. Leslie Hansen. No. And we'd speculated right back on the season two trailer that that was connected to Maya Hansen, a character from the comic books who appeared in Iron Man 3, um, that there might be some kind of connection between the two of those. They were doing some kind of small screen to big screen connection, but there's nothing there at all. Uh, this character who has very similar abilities to Jessica, only she's stronger and faster and can jump higher. Uh-oh. She has no connection and we don't know her name yet. So we don't know what to call her. But she still could be Leslie Hansen. We just don't know. Like, do, is Leslie Hansen, was she the one who fueled the, the spark that ignited Meatface and potentially Kilgrave and Jessica and the wizard? Could she be the Professor X? Well, I'm presuming the guy in the morgue who did the tests on the head that was left in by Trish and Jessica, who checked the dental records and checked that and confirmed that that was Dr. Leslie Hansen, that... This person isn't Leslie Hansen now. We don't know who she is, um, we, but we know she has some of the powers. So probably another test subject of Leslie Hansen, and that's why she got killed. Um, that's possibly the way it was, that she was the one that killed Leslie Hansen, because who likes these powers in this in this, uh, in this this universe? I just, I, I, I think potentially there, there are, where they close a door, they open another window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I loved the last scene of this. Mm-hmm. Where you see Leslie rushing, well, that, that back and forth, that, that first moment of where she starts pushing the desk back at Jessica. Yes. And then, like, you see Jessica go, oh, oh. And then as she, Leslie shoves it and you see Jessica get act surprised. That was like, this person's more powerful. Then the, the bar fight, then poor Malcolm getting almost clotheslined. Yeah. By, by the thing and then the rush and jump and looking over the building that was cool yes. she can't fly she can jump but we know jessica can fly so it's okay that's how we do, jessica we will learn to control her flight nope. in this season <laughs> nope ain't gonna happen uh, but no it was it was quite cool and that in those moments where she actually gives jessica some real background as to who she is where she came from she confirms that jessica died for those 20 days, she died on the table and then she came back to life with the abilities. She wasn't given the abilities by IGH. That wasn't the purpose of the experiment. The purpose of their experiment was to bring her back to life, which is interesting. That is slightly different to what we had thought from these previous IGH experiments that had gone on. So it does seem like the everybody that's been subject to this dies and then comes back to life. That's, uh, that's quite interesting. And also to know that, that effectively Jessica Jones is a zombie. Okay, John, so we move on to case note number five. John, do you want to talk to us about a certain visit to a landlord? Yes, Jessica has been evicted from her apartment. That douchebag, Oscar, his anti-superpowers individual sort of bent at the moment. Um, Yeah, he has evicted her. But I love the fact that we get to see Malcolm pimped out by Jessica to the landlord who um, 
you know, also then explains how and, and why Oscar is, is so dear to him. He, he's he got his Cambodian boyfriend coming over uh, and Oscar is a master forger. So I wonder if there's any Marvel master forger characters. You know, in the same way that you've got uh, Melvin Potter that we were talking about before uh, being effectively a superhero tailor. Is there a master forger in the Marvel universe? Maybe called Oscar. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Not entirely sure. But nonetheless, um, yeah, we see here, get a bit more backstory about this guy and why he maybe is so um, against Jessica. And it's not necessarily because he's anti-superhero, um, but more because he, she brought the cops to his door and he is uh, dealing with forged documents uh, and he's kind of laying low a bit really he's got his own stuff uh, to to worry about here so uh, this was really uh, kind of interesting and i have to say malcolm at the the door of the landlord uh, to try and get that eviction notice reversed was pretty pretty funny i thought it was absolutely hilarious that moment of realization on malcolm's face when he goes effectively she's pimped me out here <laughs> when, when jessica goes be really nice to him no, I mean really nice to him when you go over it. It's just really funny. Um, poor Malcolm. <laughs> I just love that this gave Malcolm or showed Malcolm the the lengths and Je- well, Jessica will go. The mm-hmm. type of character Jessica is. And I'm wondering if that's going to have some knock-on effect in episode four now. Maybe. Uh, kind of, is he going to rise up to the challenge and confront the person who's been firing him every uh, ten times a day? Yeah. Or is he just going to roll over, literally, Sit for the landlord? Yeah. Will yeah. we see a secondary visit to the landlord? All these things, I'm just like, yeah, this is this is going to get interesting. I do like the landlord just kind of going, no, my time for that's over. As if, you know, if you'd come to me five years ago, I could have reduced your rent for you maybe or something. But now I've got my Cambodian boyfriend coming over. I'm over all this. That won't happen anymore. I uh, just thought it was a, a fun little scene with them. Um, one note for me after our case notes if that's cool um, just because it's connected with this scene uh, I like the fact that when Jessica breaks into Oscar's apartment um, we get her we get her talking to uh, his son Vito who's totally adoring fan of superheroes you hear him talk about the fact that he has a Captain America toy uh, in his room and does Jessica know Captain America Captain America appeared in the first issue of Jessica Jones he was one of the big superheroes that was there and the characters do have kind of an interesting relationship she doesn't meet him very often but he is very supportive of who she is and reaching for the best Jessica there is kind of thing um, so interesting that he mentioned it what's even more interesting is I think if I'm right, in all of the episodes of the Defender series, we never got a mention of Captain America by name uh, in those shows. We definitely get it over in S.H.I.E.L.D., on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but the Netflix Marvel shows, I think we've had a guy with a S.H.I.E.L.D. mentioned. We've had, you know, the, the big green guy mentioned a few times, had the incident mentioned a few times, but I don't know whether they've called that Captain America by name before. No, in, in any all these seasons, they've not mentioned... They've said the guy with the hammer, the yeah. guy with the shield. They've never directly called them out. I think that's all Wesley's speech from Daredevil season yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also Luke Cage and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but we all well. I suppose they have to when you have a figure, an action figure. You yeah. Gotta. Yeah. That was my first note. Any any other notes? So, um, from my recent trip to uh, New York City, I can officially say. That Rudy's on 9th and 45th is 100% real, and it's a real Hell's Kitchen dive bar. (laughs) I have been in that bar, and it is quite good, and I don't remember much of that night. (laughs) But I can say it's definitely there, because I went there, and I went, oh, that oh, I remember that place. Excellent, excellent. My second note, I'll just jump in, is the the point about the magnets and the cap shield. Cap, like, did, at, I think, like, the early 60s. He used a glove filled with magnets to control his shield's return and things like that. Oh, right. Very old, cheesy one. Back, like, we're talking golden age here now. Right. Like, early 60s. Maybe late 60s. I don't know. The 60s. Okay. Uh, (laughs) If you go... I've probably read most of those books because it's around the time that Strange Tales uh, had him as a character every three or four issues. You you have, if you just basically Google... uh, 1960s Avengers Cap America Magnet Shield 
you'll find a, a pretty damning image where it's him with a glove, his red glove and two bars of magnets Very kind cool. of controlling his shield coming back. So this is mentioned in the episode where um, Vito uh, is talking to Jessica and saying that his toy, Captain America, he's lost the magnets in the hand, so it's not able to hold on to the to the shield anymore, and then he's lost the shield. Isn't that right? He's, yes, he's correct. Like and he, so yeah. I want to build another one. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just a nice little, a nice little nod back to it. And of course, we mentioned Tin Cup uh, Bourbon earlier, but this time, obviously, we see it being intravenously uh, administered into Jessica's uh, arm in her her dream uh, of purple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And on Door Watch, uh, as we as we started back up for season two, um, lots of mentions of doors in this episode. I love that moment where she's standing uh, in the way of Oscar trying to slam the door on her and just just holds it open. Looks like the easiest thing in the world as he's trying to slam the door on her and push her out. She just holds it open in the way. And also the fact that the only piece of advice that she took from everything that Dr. Uh, Tybalt said to her is that you have to go through the door. When it's open, you have to go through the door. And she repeats that advice. So they're still trolling us. We are definitely going to see that that alias uh, investigations door getting smashed, probably in episode 13. Um, but they're definitely trolling us with these door discussions. Yes, and uh, talking about trolling... The uh, film from the very first episode uh, on the um, being projected onto the wall on the back yes. on the top of the building was hundred percent the killers from nineteen forty six. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Jeff Childs over on our Facebook group had actually put a guess in that it was uh, it was the third man. Um, he thought that that's what it was. I, I agreed with them at the time, but okay, that's that's interesting. So, I, I suppose let's try and get our hands on both of the films and recreate the scene. <laughs> find that moment, find that moment. I like it. Uh, thanks for that one, Chris. Good stuff. That's all for me, and that's all our notes, I believe. So, gentlemen, Derek, do you defend Jessica Jones season two, episode three, aka Soul Survivor? <laughs> uh, yes, I definitely defend this episode. This is the best episode so far this season. Um, no doubt about it. There's some great moments in here. Uh, all the characters getting some interesting moments, setting them up for the rest of the season in here. Didn't feel slow, felt interesting, had some cool stuff. And now we know we also have a super-powered possible villain here for, for Jessica, possibly Meatface. We're seeing a little bit of that purple creep back into the to the show, so some intriguing stuff to watch on. If I wasn't doing the podcast, I absolutely would have pressed play for that next episode without a doubt to see what's going on in the in the world of Jessica Jones. So huge defend from me, definitely. John, do you defend Jessica Jones season two, episode three, aka Soul Survivor? I do defend this episode of Jessica Jones. I give this four and a half meat faces out of five. I really <laughs> felt this kicked in here for me um, on a number of different levels. I, I love the fact that we got to see uh, Dr. Leslie Hansen, or should I say not Dr. Leslie Hansen, mm-hmm. uh, coming up against Jessica. I, I really love the tension in that scene, the challenge from Dr. Hansen back to, to Jessica about why she should be grateful for what IGH has done. You know, it's just kind of murking the waters a bit here. And I, I really, really like that. I love the Foggy cameo. I, I really uh, enjoyed, you know, Jessica kind of stepping up to her past and, and really saying, I need to investigate this now. I need to delve into it because people are getting killed uh, because of it. You know, it, it links to what Frederick's voicemail said uh, at the beginning where she was too, uh, almost, you know, this metaphor that she couldn't walk past her brother's ashes uh, because that would have to confront the past. She took the window instead. I thought that was really good. I really thought that Jerry, that scene to me was so far is the standout scene for this. And I think it, in, in terms of uh, how it links to her orgy effectively in, in, in episode two, uh, just so, so good. Uh, it it actually it meant something it felt something uh, on that and I think that's a real mark of a great show when you know one of the most dodgy maybe slash despicable people in the show you're not entirely sure about you know really gets your sympathy um, in terms of their dealing with that as well really um, and then to see the purple come back you know who is meat face friend or foe uh, I really, really enjoyed. Um, so absolutely defend this episode of, of Jessica Jones. Christoph, um, do you defend 
episode three, aka Soul Survivor, cue music of uh, Jessica Jones. Yes, I do. I was starting to feel apprehensive that this was going to be equally as slow as the second episode. Uh, As soon as I turned it on, though, all fears or apprehensions were alleviated. This was a top-notch episode. The scene with Jerry, the scene at the end, like, just everything about it. Basically, what they did was they said, okay, we've given you enough Basil exposition. (laughs) Now we are into 100% season two, case two. This is what you want to see. This is everything you need to know. The disclosure scene just hit me hard. Just so good. Like, if, if one scene could get an Emmy nomination, this would be for me. Right, like, right. If you can just nominate a scene versus a series or an episode, this would be it for me. The potential of Hellcat's origin starting here, this mm-hmm. is where I'm really interested to see where that storyline goes. And um, to top it all off, we're starting to see the true colours of the evil British man in the suit, Griffin. <laughs> um, but I have no idea why I am so afraid of evil British men in suits. Derek, could you tell me why? It's because you've known John for about 13 years, isn't it? Yeah, that's probably about why. (laughs) I never wear a suit. How could you possibly be afraid of me? That's true. Ladies and gentlemen, fellow defenders, John does never wear a suit. He just wears a shirt and tie. Anyway, gentlemen, uh, I think our fellow defenders have heard enough of us um, for this episode i think it's about time they hear from their other fellow defenders and what they mm-hmm. thought of this episode uh if you are interested in sending us feedback don't forget you can leave us a voicemail on our website at defenders tv podcast.com email it through at feedback at defenders tv podcast.com or drop over to our group on facebook uh it's quite an easy one it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash defenders tv podcast the first person who got there for episode three with feedback was debbie fisher Mm-hmm. Debbie went on to say, Jessica pimping out Malcolm to the landlord. I really am loving all the Malcolm. I know he was an addict last season, but he's all buff and pumped up and wearing sleeveless shirts this season. I guess the clean lifestyle. And the scene from the preview, Jessica sitting on her desk and getting up really fast to answer the door for a super to unclog her potty. Griffin <laughs> and the flash dive. Yes, Debbie, thank you so much. I know a lot of people have become very much Malcolm Shippers. Absolutely. Thank you, Debbie. I hear you. What's not to like about a buffed, pumped-up Malcolm? <laughs> a really good catch there on Jessica hopping up off her desk really fast, which we thought was like a moment of action in the series, and turns out that she's answering her door to her her, uh, her super who's coming to unclog her toilet. It's hilarious. <laughs> nice marketing there, Netflix. We'll grab that scene and we'll put it in, into the uh, into the trailer for the show. <laughs> Uh, Carl Hansley says, is there any chance that Dr. Leslie Hansen is related to Dr. Maya Hansen from Iron Man 3? Uh, again, we thought about that, but uh, at the moment, Leslie Hansen has now perished in the in the furnace below her rent-controlled apartment. So um, very unlikely there's going to be any connection to, to Maya that will be released. Yes, and Robert Phillips goes, crikey, Malcolm does good work. Trish does some impressive self-defense work. Jessica clearly bought a case of tin cup. Uh, Garibaldi, or whatever Trish's boyfriend is called. Um, yeah, Griffin it is. I'm having problems with his name as well. But uh, Derek has uh, provided a good uh, reminder. Think Gryffindor. Yes. Think Harry Potter. <laughs> it is Griffin. It's um, only because you said gold star to Griffin last week. So now it's been in my head as his name is Gryffindor. Absolutely. And but, doors are very important to Jessica Jones. Exactly. But <laughs> as Robert Phillips says, Garibaldi or should I say Griffin, is clearly a bad guy. She loves him. He has a British accent. He lives on a Death Star. And Jessica has found no dirt on him. Plus the secret of typing on a laptop and the titular Chris Jones was right. The monster is a woman. Except I don't think the titular Chris Jones said this. But nonetheless, I'll give it to him just this one. I think that might have been John. I'm always right. I am like... The patriarch of Jessica Jones. I am the titular 
Jones in this podcast. <laughs> you may have Jessica, but most people have me. I don't think you know what titular means. It doesn't mean only, Chris. I know, but I like saying titular. <laughs> it's a really... It's like saying ergo. It makes you sound really smart. Ergo, I am the titular, Mr. Jones. I am the only, Mr. Jones. But I should also just finish off that uh, Robert Phillips goes enjoying this. And I think we really... All are. This is a really um, fantastic show that is building up, definitely. Yes, really enjoying it so far. Thanks so much for all of the feedback. Keep it coming. Uh, we'll keep, obviously, talking about it on the podcast as well. Always great to hear from our listeners and our wonderful fellow defenders. That's it for this week's episode. It is. We will be back later in the week with Jessica Jones. Season new episode four, a.k.a. God Help the Hobo. Um, you can always find us if you want to talk to us between those sessions on our group on Facebook or on Twitter at DefendersCast you can don't forget to write us a review on Apple Podcasts and share the love by sharing the podcast around the world you can find us on Google Play Music or any drunk or sober podcast culture around the world don't forget if you want to make sure you don't miss an episode subscribe to us at DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes and to end on the note that we were finishing every episode this season, go find your sister or your sister's sister or your friend's sister or your other person's sister or your partner's sister or any sister will do and tell them about this podcast. And when they ask, what the hell is a Defenders TV podcast? You know what to say. The only place you need to go for, for all your Defenders, Marvel, Netflix news and reviews. Yeah, and don't forget to use that code over on Stitcher Premium. Just go to stitcher.com slash premium. Put in the code DEFENDERS so that you can get the first episode of Wolverine, which should be out already as you're listening to this podcast. So you listen to our podcast and then get the first episode of Wolverine, which came out on the 12th of March. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, we will be back with uh, not only Jessica Jones Season 2, but also our coverage of Doctor Strange Damnation, Mm -hmm. where we'll be looking at issue 387 of the Doctor Strange tie-in comic. Yes, looking forward to that too. Yeah, absolutely. It's great fun talking about comic books. Enjoyed that. That was fantastic. Thanks very much for joining us, fellow defenders. Talk to you soon. See you soon, guys, and thank you so much for joining. Yeah, as always, it's been great speaking with you. And, uh, yeah, my scrotty sense is really tingling here. Uh, I think it could be okra, actually. But with that, after the okra, uh, I'll speak with you again soon. You might need to get that checked out, John. Bye. Bye.